Hello and welcome to Out of Office. My name's Johnny Caldor and this is a podcast where I get to take walks with interesting people in media and find out what makes them tick. This is episode 13, which I recorded with Arishel Novicio as we walked around New York's Central Park. Arishel and I were colleagues at News Corp many years ago and she's currently CTO at New York Post. And back in 2010, we both worked on two sister projects that were both designed to change the face of news media. Sadly, mine didn't see the light of day, but Arishel's The Daily did make it and ran for some time as a very high production value newspaper for the iPad. We talked quite a lot about those projects, how they were pulled together and what ultimately ended them. We also had a completely unplanned and highly coincidental bump in uh, with a chap called Paul Meller, who back in the day was CTO at the Wall Street Journal. So we bizarrely had the New York Post the Journal and the Times of London together at the same time in the same park. I have no idea that happened, but that was quite fun. Anyway, it was a really interesting chat with Arishel. We covered all sorts of different topics from, you know, her experience in running technology for one of the biggest newspapers in the US to those times back when we were doing some crazy stuff on the iPad and a whole load of other things. It's definitely worth a listen. So please do stick around and give it a go. Here we go. All right, here we are. Here we are. Um, OK, where are we? We're in Central Park. We are? Yeah. It's wonderful. It is. It's also like a really good... Not so hot, not so not so fally kind of day. Which is, <laughs> so it's I mean, God, it's really warm for... What are, what are we? Three days before November. Today it is 74 degrees, 74. I think, today. Right. Which, which I think is actually really nice. Like, a, there's part of me that feels like it should be like a little. There should be a little more chill in the air. Uh huh. It's coming. You know, I'm kind of expecting it. Yeah. Um, I'm ready to change my fashion. I like it like this. It's already chilly in London, and we're here because we are here because I'm. I don't know if a lot of people know this about me, but I'm very into nature. You know, so this is kind of a good mix of where I work, you know, and which is also my happy place, and being in nature at the same time. Yeah, I mean, the office is, Um, what, 10-minute walk? It's a 10 to 15-minute walk. It's good, and it's like all of a sudden, it's like you're working, you're really into your job, and then you walk 10 minutes, and then you're here in Central Park. Yeah. You can feel like you're somewhere else. But I not know. really. It's beautiful. Yeah. Okay, so we're not here to talk about Central Park. We're here to talk about you. We should just start with where you are right now for the uninitiated. Tell us a little bit about your role at the Post. Sure. Um, I'm the CTO at the New York Post. It's one of those jobs that I, I've always wanted. Yeah. It's so a pretty cool one. To, to say that out loud, I still, uh-huh. I'm still like, oh, that's me, you know? <laughs> I think, I think about it all the time. So talk a little bit about what you do day to day and what you're focusing on right now. The focus is a, a lo- actually a lot right now. I feel like this is, one, this is the one time where like I love work and I love all the challenges and I love how much the industry changes, not just tech, right, but also news, media, and tech, how much that changes and how much that forms what I need to work on for any given year, month, 
even day. So I really like how dynamic that can be. But the focus right now is, in a good way, many, many things. This is probably the first time in my entire career, my entire lifetime, where I'm like, okay, take a breath and sit back for a little bit and think through how to prioritize all the super important things to find the one important thing that I need to focus on and focus my team on, right, let's say, right this week. Right this week or for the next three months. Yeah. So that would include, everybody talks about cookie deprecation, right? Like, yep. what are we going to do there? Yep. So building out the data architecture and also building out the team's skill set to respond to that super important business need, right? Because on the once cookies deprecate, that also means we don't know so much about our users and that could impact ad revenue. Yep. So all of a sudden taking our tech jobs and then working with the advertising team and I'm not a salesperson. Yeah, that's one of those jobs where I'm like, I know I am not going to be good at that job ever. Uh-huh. That's just not my personality. That's just not what my brain likes to do. But having to now tell myself that to enable the business, I'm going to need to understand and empathize with them, right? With how cookie deprecation is going to impact them. Yeah. And, and become that tech person that understands ad tech so that I could be of service. So that's like one of the super important things now, plus privacy, privacy regulations. Yeah. And then also I inherited the data team, the data science team back in February. So how long ago was that now? Seven months ago. Yeah. And now understanding and understanding one, that job, what that really means for a person that now works for me and for me being the leader of data science people, uh-huh. like how my role would change, how my leadership style needs to change with the new group. And then also, I think that's the, this is the time where I feel like it's the closest I need to be to the business because now I'm thinking through, okay, page views, traffic, growing audience, delivering insights, delivering with data science and tech, how we could better inform the business to monetize. Like, again, that's another shift in the way I need to think and, and become a partner to my executives. Yeah. How big is the team right now? The tech team? Mm. That's not, not, the Post is not a huge organization. I think I have about 20 full time, but we have permanent consultants that have been with the team for a good three to four years now. I think that's maybe like another 20. Right. Um, and we also have the extended News Corp team. I I don't know. I don't know that we've had shared. We had shared services when you part, you they were part of News yeah, Corp. Yeah, very little. Yeah. Very so little. we have that now, and it's fully baked. So that's also an extension of every CTO's team, and that's worked out really well in getting things to market or just having somebody to, or a different team, to sort of just do a peer review on really hard topics and really hard tech. I mean, this, is, this might be a kind of old question, but I'm, I'm still interested. You know, when we started putting paywalls up, and at least in the UK, 
you know, it was inevitable that the Times and the Sunday Times did very well with that model and the Sun really struggled and then they obviously shifted and went for scale and, and ad revenue and, and, and so on. With the Post, I suspect it's similar, but what, what, can you talk about the revenue mix for the Post, at least digitally? What sort of different channels are you using beyond display advertising? So we do have a subscription product that we launched maybe two and a half years ago now. Uh -huh. I, it could be like three years, actually, at this point. Oh, we talked about that at the time, yeah. actually. Yeah, yeah, I remember. So this is um, our Sports Plus product. Yeah. So that is a very small part of our business. That's something that we, we've, we've decidedly, at the time, we were looking at our sports section and looking at what we can do there. So that's now in market, but, a, but still a very small piece of our piece of our business. But we have also, as you mentioned, we have the advertising model, which is core to, what, to how we make our money. Yeah. But we've also, we have some really good leadership now. Like I have our CEO, like this is, I've been with the organization for a really long time and our CEO and our COO and just the leadership as a whole has in the last few years really been able to diversify the business. So we have a thriving affiliate vertical uh, yep. at the post and we have a growing video business um, which is which is still supported by by ads to yep. this day. And then I think that is it for now, but we're always looking at new ways to monetize. But but I, I, I've been there for, gosh, I've been there for 27 years now. Oh my gosh. Um, I've been there for as long as I ha I've had a child. <laughs> so, so I've seen it change so much and, and I think I mentioned it earlier, it's never been like so challenging, but so good. And like my brain hurts and it's from a tech perspective. Like I love, love, love the fact that I'm having to solve with a team that I really, really like problems that I don't even know the answer to. But just to be part of it, it's, it's pretty amazing. So you were talking about um, the 27 years. I wanted to talk about, we, I mean, we can't not talk about 2010. So you and I were working on completely different and yet deeply related and somewhat similar projects at the same time, doing similar things, exactly. like our roles were quite similar. Yep. So you were on the daily, I was on Alicia, yours lived, ours never saw the light of day. I think it would be cool to hear what the daily was and just a little bit about that story, because it's, it's kind of cool. You, you managed to launch something which was pretty significant at the time. Yeah, that feels, it's funny, because it feels like yesterday, but also feels like so long ago. That's probably one of my, my like great loves. Yeah. <laughs> so so in, 20, in 2010, I remember it clear as day, my boss at the time, Jesse Angelo, yes. came down and he said, well, I mean, hey, we need to build, build a news publication on the iPad. And at the time, we were already building the New York Post iPad. Yeah. So I thought, <laughs> okay, like make it available in the store nationally, right? So that's what I was thinking, because he popped in, said, we were, said those words, then he left. He's like, I'll call you later. <laughs> um, 
later on, not I don't even know how long, but like within the same within the same day, he said we're gonna have a meeting with the Apple folks, and then we need to hire about 200, 250 people. Here's gonna be here's the budget that we're gonna have, and then we're gonna set up shop. Go and tell us the budget. <laughs> I can't tell you the budget. <laughs> we're Enormous. Gonna, <laughs> we're gonna set you up. We're gonna set ourselves up on the 26th floor, and um, we're gonna hire the best of the best. And I said, okay, like the again, still clueless because this conversation was happening so quickly. Um, okay, National New York Post, right? He's like, no, a completely different product completely different yep. company yeah we're gonna need to build a state-of-the-art cms we're gonna work with apple we're gonna work directly with the apple engineers they're gonna fly over we're gonna go see them and we're gonna hire a design team so get a design team get some engineers that can build yeah i'm like a cms from scratch that that completely different than what's already out in the market, right? This was Brian Alvey, right? Well, the, so next day, not next day, but a few days later, I put like just notice out to like cold calling, cold calling companies to, hey, can you come in? Can I pitch you on this work that I didn't even know anything about? Right. Like I couldn't define. So I called a few, I can't even know who, who I called at the time, but all I remember is Brian Alvey answers my call and he says, oh, I've been trying to pitch your leadership for months on some other platform he had uh, before he owned Crowdfusion. Yep, yep. So, for the CMS, which is really great. So we, we lasted until December of 2012. Yeah, I'm still- That's pretty cool. I mean, Apart from so you were that, so you, it took about a year to launch. Is that right? Or you, when did you launch? Kind of oh my February, god, that was that 2011? February two, 2011. Yeah. But the initial due date was we spoke in uh, we kicked off in August. The hiring the hiring days were just amazing. Getting stood up and like we had this 26th floor office that had no chairs, no desks. So. To come from, to have a background of just pure tech, to then standing up an organization from scratch, including figuring out the furniture, figuring out the design, uh, hiring, hiring and participating in in hiring the people who would be higher up than me, right? It was also super super fun, yeah, and yeah. and apart from telling telling and working with Brian Alvey that they were exclusive to us until TBD, right? The, we also did the same thing for all the techs. So we had, there was another company uh, called Crowdfusion who did the front end work and did the app development work. And they also were a, at the time, already a successful consulting business, and they were the only ones who also answered our call. Only ones who answered a call and were like, we can do it, we can do it. And their founder is still a really good friend of mine. We don't, we don't talk as much, but uh -huh. every time we pick up the phone, it's like no time lost. 
So that's, I think that's what I got yeah. out of all these really, really tough projects. It's nice to see that most everyone that worked for the daily has found success somewhere else. Yeah. And to see a lot of them as working for Apple now or starting up a company or just still really, really excited about what they learned at the daily and what they're doing now, how that informs yeah. who they are today. Like, I think that's super cool. Even like how that informs me just as somebody who continues to lead tech people and tech initiatives and yeah. new, new challenges. Like that's taught me at that time. I mean, me I, think, I think for, for news at least, that period was a little bit of a renaissance, right? Because the, the decade preceding that to try and hire well, to try and get technology people excited about newspapers was pretty tough, right? I mean, our example, News UK, you know, kind of grey office in Wapping, pushing out newspapers that were increasingly seen as, from a tech standpoint, yeah. um, not so interesting. And then, and so we, we had a real hiring or recruitment problem in those early years. But then these projects, Alicia and The Daily and all of that stuff, you know, putting the paywall in front of the times all these projects suddenly make made media kind of sexy again from a tech perspective you're right we were like the cool kids <laughs> and the the biggest challenge i the biggest challenge i had is sort of maintaining your cool right because now you have also these really cool and in their own right very successful individuals coming to work for us yeah the bar is high, right? Yeah. Even for us in, in retaining them or even getting them to work for us. Because that was also the time where every iOS developer cost so much money. Mm, yeah, right? So you, We had almost all of the ones that were co coming for an interview asking for like 10 times what we normally would, would offer. Yeah. And we were like, wow. Yeah, and you a lot pay of, it. Yeah, and we had, we had candidates coming in wanting to have a founder title. Yeah, Isn't that pretty wild? Yeah, yeah. Exciting, though. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I wanted to be them. But also, it wasn't that. I mean, you know, so a lot of people on our team were really great coders, and, and frankly, the really smart ones. All they had to do was sit down for a, a few weeks, and iOS became doable relatively quickly. You know, there was, there was somewhat of the black art of apps development, you know, oh my gosh, it's really hard, you've got to have the right people, but actually really good developers picked it up quite quickly, I think. They did, I think the, for, yes, that's true, but for us, we were really, like our head designer, uh, our creative director, was really pushing the envelope of what, yeah. what tech can do and what even the devices can do. Did you do Android as well, or was it just iPad? Oh my God, we did. Did you do it. BlackBerry? We oh my God, we had to. We honestly, we spent no, we did not. far too much time on the BlackBerry. We had, we had a little room with a with a. It's weird watching the movie now because we had those sorts of devices with kind of wire sticking, like the half finished BlackBerry devices, which looked like I don't know. Did Meccano. you keep some of this stuff? I didn't. You should have like a museum. I know. You know. I don't have any of it. We, yeah, we had some really good because you remember actually before we started. 2009, we were looking at e-ink, liquid paper, oh, as the I, I medium that we that, were going to yeah. use as the basis for this thing. That, and then yeah. we were like, hang on, this is crazy. You know, I mean, it can just about push out a page, but anything beyond that is, is beyond its ability. But so we've got all these kind of Qualcomm devices, which were like some halfway house between e-ink and 
LCD and da, da, da. And then, I mean, I was flying around. There was a moment in time in, where was it? 2009, so it was about eight months before the iPad launched, where I was going around meeting um, Samsung, LG, Sanyo, Sony, I don't know, probably five or six different display manufacturers specking out a tablet device, which we were then going to give as part of the Elysia subscription. And we went, you know, we went as far as getting quotes and, you know, drawing up kind of heads of terms with these businesses. And then it was kind of no October and the iPad was mooted that it was coming. And it was like, thank God for that. <laughs> we're not gonna have to build our own device, but that's, yeah, that's, but in a way that's the beauty of News Corp is that there's enough money to actually do really, really cool stuff and not worry too much about how much it's going to cost, which I think, I look at our customers today, very few publishers have that luxury. Well, I don't know that we don't worry about how much it's going to cost, <laughs> but we do... Certainly didn't with the daily, come on. <laughs> we do value, like, innovation, you know? But that's, people always ask me, why have you been there so long? Why have you not left? Why have you not gone somewhere else? I'm like, I've never been bored here. Yeah. I've never had the same job or the same set of responsibilities for more than a year. We also spoke about Arishel's time working with the New York Post publisher, Martin Singerman, who's been a great mentor throughout her career. You might just miss his name when it comes up as I was having some technical issues with the recording gear at the time. Who's your, to the extent you, you may have one, do you have a kind of mentor or... Yeah. Yeah, we can go around here. Someone in your career who, who you think has really helped put you where you are today? I have, I have a few, but I have one who we just passed. I don't know if you had a... He, you met him while you were at News Corp. He was the New York Post publisher for a good number of years. Uh-huh. His name is Marty Zimmerman. He just passed this last, uh, I think last July. Oh. I think, is that right? And he was, he was great, because I didn't... Like, I didn't really think he noticed me until, until one day, this was back in 2006, I left the New York Post, and moved to California to work for 20th Century Fox. Oh, cool. And I worked at that Nakatomi building. You know yeah, yes. over, overlooking the lot. Yeah. Yeah, very cool. So I worked at the Nakatomi building, and security <laughs> calls me. So, I was so lonely. I was like, did not know anyone. Um, I was at an organization for a really, really long time where I was really comfortable with the post, and then I left and I tried this new thing, right? So security calls me and says, there's this really well-dressed gentleman looking for you. Reception. Uh-huh. And I thought, I don't know who that um, So I go down, and it's Mr. Singerman. And I was so embarrassed and so shocked because I—he was like our publisher. He was like God to me when when I was younger. He was a publisher when I started when I was about 24. And I was like 30 at the time. Never really spoke to him, with the exception of seeing him in the hallway. And he says, uh, and helping him like with some tech questions, but like we'd be yeah. in and out of his office, and that was it. 
So he says, my wife and I are staying next door. He said, I had asked if you could help me and they said you'd move to California. He says, my family lives here part of the time. He's, yeah. He says, my family lives here. What is that? Weather. Is that me? Yeah. <laughs> all right, let's just, it's all right. I, th this is why we have editors. <laughs> Your pants are talking. <laughs> I know, that was like, that sounds so familiar. It's the weatherman, BBC, thank you. Right, sorry, okay. there was a knock at the door. <laughs> There's a knock, uh, no, the reception. A uh, reception. Right, so anyway, he says, I go downstairs, I see him. I was like super shocked because didn't even know he knew I truly existed. Yeah. And he he says, I was looking for you the other day, needed some help. Then they told me they did left the organization and you moved. He said, I live here part of the time. My wife and I are staying at the hotel next door. Would you like, would you and your family want to join us for lunch one of the days? Huh. So that was 2007. He, that he was my mentor, it's kind of like my life work, more like a leadership mentor. Like I never talked to him and called him and said, hey, what should I do about this thing at work? Yeah. It wasn't so much about that. I'd always thought about, I always worried about like politics at work and just, I always felt like people seemed to change the more successful they got. So I always sort of thought about whether I wanted to be that person. Yeah. And those are kind of the things I would talk to him about. And he was great, because he was like, well, aren't you a senior director right now, he says. I was like, I am. He said, did you have to deal with any politics or change your style to become a senior director? Right. I was like, no. Not really. Yeah, so he's like, well then keep doing yeah. what you're doing. He's like, and that'll be that. And he said, and if nobody takes you for who you are, then you don't want that job anyway. Yeah. Uh, that really stuck with me. And he also, the other thing he's, he's, he also taught me was like, leave, leave your baggage at the door. Because when you're a leader, when you walk in and you're frowning and might not be about your staff, they think it's about them. Yeah. So he's like, check yourself before it's, you walk. It's in. tough. Right? It's, so, a, it's a funny one because I think news could be so political <laughs> yeah, yeah. and yet and yet there were some shining lights who as you say managed to just completely avoid all of that and still do very well but plenty of machinations going on in the background and maybe but, I'm just a little more sheltered I think because more than others because right? I've been with the same organization for a really long time and I don't really feel that at the post. I think also maybe, oh my gosh, I'd love this for you. Actually. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. I, um. It I also makes it look like nobody's really at the point. Yeah, yeah, this. it's a bit better from here. Yeah. <laughs> I think maybe we're lucky being in, I mean, I can't say this now, but back in the day, being in delivery roles, because I think when you're delivering, it's harder for politics to get in the way. I mean, you just do your job, right? Now you yeah. either do it well or you don't. I mean, so yeah. it's but hard then, for people to spin. The more you move up, then you get a little more exposed, yeah. right? Yeah. And then you're kind of like, wait a second, this looks nothing like the layer below <laughs> that I was in the last time. Yeah. Um, yeah. I but find. Yeah, but I feel like I'm comfortable with it now. Right. 
It's interesting, though, that you said before that you have lots of friends from your time, you know, not, not only the daily, but your, your time at, at, at news. And I think, again, I think it, I, I have a similar sort of experience where it's, it's almost like you're in the trenches. It's that kind of, you know, it, it's this battle through adversity sometimes. So everything's being thrown at you. And that's, I mean, that's the best way to make firm friends with people, isn't it? When you're, when yeah. you're having things thrown I, at you. I constantly. agree. We, we experienced Sandy happen right in 2012. Oh yeah, the massive and flood. That, yep, and that was, that was one of those times where I felt like, okay, the people at work really have my back. I, I was, um, I lived, I had, it was me and my two children, we lived in, and we still live there, in Monmouth County, New Jersey, and our home got hit, not badly, but the area um, was pretty damaged. But like my house, like things were flying out, like my garage had, had like been like banged open by by um, the winds and my my fence was like all out of sorts and there was no food, there was no gas, there was right. a, just a mess. And the Daily and News Corp, uh, I'm guessing News Corp and the Daily, <laughs> backed by News Corp, uh, said, hey, you know what? Oh no. Why don't you stay at the Crown Palace, I think, which is right on 42nd. Uh-huh. And um, you and your kids. And then we had a delivery. They had a delivery truck sent to my house to help me clean up. Wow. I thought that yeah, was pretty that's amazing. Nice. Yeah, I said flood. Obviously, I should have said massive hurricane. Which, yeah. Which also <laughs> meant there were big floods, weren't there, downtown as well, though. Like yeah. half of downtown Manhattan just completely yeah. underwater. It's funny because you, you, that reminds me of something else. Back in the day, you must have had the same. We had these disaster recovery sites. So in the UK, we had out in Peterborough, complete replicas of both mm-hmm. newsrooms, completely empty, yeah. full of desktop machines, all ready to go, and the big kind of DR plan, you know, should a bomb go off in London, la la la. And, and immense amount of cost in order to put that infrastructure together and then test it every year and all that sort of stuff and you yeah, think about that was kind of fun though i mean it was right? fun but because that's all we had at how the redundant time. it was right <laughs> yeah. i mean what like just what a that... complete waste of time actually and then you'd have to go there and test it out <laughs> and simulate yeah, creating right. a product right from that location but i don't think there's much back then in terms of pure underlying tech infrastructure that we didn't have that we've got today, apart from just, you know, speeds are faster, but you could, you could have run a newsroom from your bedroom even back then if you really put your mind to it. It was just such an alien concept, and yet yeah, when COVID yeah. hit, I mean, yeah, we did right. it overnight. Well, I didn't have a T1 at home, you know, I wasn't <laughs> right. dialing in <laughs> yeah. with my modem. <laughs> Can you believe that, like, a T1 powered the entire well, newsroom? Well, also we had data. I mean, there were there were data rooms in the office in um, in Wapping. All of this proprietary hardware. I mean, you think about. Funny enough, Alicia was the first project we ever did with no hardware whatsoever. I mean, there was no server room because we didn't have any servers. It was fantastic, and we were talking. This will make John smile. At one point, we were talking about using the MySpace. Um, data center because it was just kind of sitting there yeah. on news. This is what happens when you do back in the day. You must have had the same when you 
run a, a project in News Corp and there's a whole load of stuff lying around, it just gets thrown at you, right? So Dow Jones were throwing Mosaic at us at a subscriptions platform and MySpace were throwing their data centre at us for their service. It was like, oh my God, can't we just, you know, start from scratch? <laughs> okay, so Outlook. Yes. I mean, what are you, what are you excited about? You talked a little bit about some of the, the projects you're working about. What are, you, what are you excited about, I don't know, for the next couple of years? I'm trying to avoid talking about AI. I don't, um, I don't know that you can avoid it, though, oh, right? Go on, then. I feel like you can't. It's, it's like it's going to be plumbing. Yeah. So you can't avoid it. I'm excited about... Like, I need it, I need it to have a different name at this point. Yeah. But, but you're right. <laughs> um, I am... I'm excited about really knowing what it can do that's, and get into more like a sexier space with AI could do because right now a lot of our initiatives are, are we need it time to market, right? So we need some newsroom efficiencies, so we're focused on that. Yeah. But to me that's sort of not any different than any other initiative I've had, it's just a different toolkit. So I really want to see more powerful use of AI, which I haven't figured out what that is yet. Yeah. So whenever, when people talk about AI, machine learning, generative AI, cognitive AI, I'm like, okay, okay, like that's been around. Yeah. So I'm looking for like the next, the next level. And I also, and maybe I get, I'm really impatient with my own knowledge. So I also just need some quiet time to really figure out what that means for me, as somebody who needs to enable new things for the business, and even as like a creator or a technology person, I just want to know something different than what I know today. And I don't know that I know that yet. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. But I think that's the thing I'm most excited about, to answer your question more specifically, is it's been a while since something new's come out. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, well, we particularly talk- in terms of consumption. You know, you think about the phone and, and how that's just completely changed consumption. The, the, it doesn't feel like there's another one of those around the corner, yeah. does it? Yeah. I just want, like, I just really, I'm, I'm dying to get my hands on something really, like, groundbreaking. To what extent um, is News Corp getting involved in the, the kind of the copyright conversations around generative AI and and you know, training data sets and that sort of stuff. Because, I mean, from what I'm hearing more and more is that news organisations are less and less concerned about it because without the fundamental content that's being generated by these companies, generative AI AI is kind of pointless. But, so so to what extent is is News Corp getting involved in those conversations more at a kind of... um, you know, kind of structural level, at copyright level. I think we're on the same boat, and this is sort of just my point of view. Yeah. I think we're on the same boat from all the activities that I've been a part of as everybody else. It's like, okay, where, what's the right move, right? Because just like I said earlier, it's, it's not going to go away. It's going to be plumbing. Is it going to replace the way we understand, we, we use search, people use search today, right? Is yeah. it going to be the new way where people access data? So do we want credit for our content? Mm-hmm. Do we want to be 
do we want to be the trusted source for that data? Of course. But I think for right now, it's, it's still a conversation. Do you, does, it, does it up the ante on being the destination and, and maintaining that direct relationship, or do you accept that that's going to be difficult to hold on to? I don't know that anybody's ever, a publisher's ever going to accept that. So I feel <laughs> like owning, I think that's counter to anything that losing that direct relationship with a consumer is counter to every yeah. project that I'm working on right now. Good. Right? Because we're thinking about first-party data, cookie deprecation, yeah. how do we understand our users better so that we can speak to them and give them experiences that uh, make them come back more. Yeah. Right? I mean, uh, get them to give us one more interaction. Yeah. Yeah, so that's, yes, we will always want well, and, yeah. From my perspective, I mean, our whole the relationship is, is based on that, so yeah. that's, that's good to hear. <laughs> Hello, mate, how are you? Really good. Nice good to, to see you. Yeah, this is for me. Is this like the News Hi. Corp meeting? It is the News Corp <laughs> meeting. We, we're, we're in the middle of a podcast oh. talking about, well, all the stuff we used to talk about. Hi. Subscriptions, platforms, and... I, I know you're doing a walking podcast. Yeah. I heard the one with, uh, with Katie. Yeah, hers was good actually as well. It was a similar sort of chat. Oh, it'd be lovely to see you. I'm around for a few weeks actually. Nice to see you. Bye. That's hilarious. <laughs> it's ridiculous actually. Oh my goodness. Maybe we'll see another ex CTO somewhere. <laughs> Wait a second, is that the sign? I'm going to get fired, I think. <laughs> Do you get, so with Rupert and his, you know, famous, not quite retiring, but kind of half retiring, do you still see him around in the building? I've seen him a, a few times, not in the recent months, but but that but might just be that's because I come in come in on Monday and a Friday, yeah. right? Oh uh, yeah, of course. Yeah, because remote yeah, remote the whole thing has made changed. that a little a little hard. Yeah, to that's see right. People. How does that feel right now? How many days does the team tend to come in right now? Three days uh, a week, and you could choose the days. Uh huh. Um, I like coming into the office. I like seeing my team. Yeah. So I feel like it's, I'm, <laughs> I'm needing to adjust my, my leadership style, only because I'm really hands-on and I like to talk to my people and I like to talk to people in the office and I, I feel like you get really good work done if you at least have some level of, of personal interaction with the people in the office, yep. the people that you work with. So. We were talking earlier about, well, we talked a bit about kind of people and recruitment. What sort of people do you recruit right now? I mean, are you recruiting super young, hungry graduates? Do you recruit people who, are, who don't have degrees into journalism? What, what sort of, what's the policy of the paper to get fresh I think it's, um, ideas it's a, and it's fresh a mix. Breath. And I'm going to talk about tech and then just what I observe, I guess, Yeah. is... We're really looking for really, just really hungry, talented tech people, journalists, yeah. like degree, no degree. At least for me, that doesn't matter. So where do you find um, them? Where are you fishing? That actually gets harder, because I think the more common ways of just, or the more traditional ways of just posting it on our job site doesn't really do the matching correctly yeah, yeah. and there's a lot of that puts a lot of work on me and on the 
recruitment team to just figure out who's right here, right? It doesn't really, your resume no longer tells you the story. Yeah. So it's really having to talk to a lot of candidates uh, before you find the right, the right one. And I don't know if it's age or, or I just got smarter. <laughs> I feel like the conversation's also a lot different, right? Because uh -huh. I feel like back in the day I'd have questions and I'd have the, just talk to me about your projects, your experience. My questions now have become more about, fine, we'll talk about the projects and we'll talk about the skill set, but that's, that's a test. Right. Um, most of the interview at this point is like, feeling out mm. the more of a cultural the drive, fit. the culture fit, yeah. right? Yeah. The chemistry with the person, with the team. Yeah. That's so right. more of that. Yeah. And I think I found the most success doing that, even though like I have one candidate, not one candidate, one one person that I hired who maybe did not check all the boxes, but killed it with like culture, mm. chemistry, drive. Have not regretted a day. By the way, Stopping. I should say where we are. This is where we started, so we're right back to where we started. But they're setting up the New York City Marathon, which is super exciting. That which is, is what a week on Sunday. This place is going to be. That's my goal. One day. One oh, day. you have to do it. Twenty-six miles. <laughs> yeah. yeah I, it's, it's, it's I think huge. it's more like getting getting the right mind mindset to do it. Yeah. 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 You should do it. I should. So there you go, that's it. Big thanks to Arishelle for all of her time and great stories and chats. And thanks to you uh, for listening yet again. Um, you managed to make it to the end. If you enjoyed it, please do tell people about the podcast. Please do give me any feedback at all that you've got and hopefully see you next time. <laughs>